You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hour two on this Wednesday. Come on in, stay a while. We'll check in with Jeff Van Gundy. He'll be on the call, Nets and the Lakers. That'll be Christmas night. If the Nets are able to have the league required eight players available because the NBA just announced the Nets at the Blazers game scheduled for Thursday has been postponed. The Nets do not have the league required eight available players to proceed with the game against the Trailblazers. Merry Christmas. 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. Rams handle the Seahawks. We say goodbye to Seattle and their playoff hopes and the possibility for having a winning season. Eagles over Washington, they win it by 10 as well. You have uh, Missouri and Army, the Armed Forces Bowl. That'll be coming up a little bit later on. Poll question, McLovin, what are we going with? Okay, if you could vote, would you have Tuesday Night Football become a regular thing? 61% early say no. Okay, yeah, Paul. So it seems like not even a possible thing, but sometimes the great things that happen are things you stumble in. And the NFL the past couple of years has flexed a couple of games to Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. And while people say there's too much football, it seems like we say that every decade. Oh, you can't be too gluttonous. Uh, you can't do too much. I'm, I'm sure the ratings last night were pretty good. Would anyone really be bothered, bothered that they added Tuesday night football? If, if somehow the players got more money out of it, add a week to the season, add uh, three roster spots, do it all together. Yeah, I'm not big on Thursday night. It's just I because you don't give them ample time to recover and then prepare. You put in Tuesday, as long as you give them at least five days to get ready for their next game. I think you got to be fair to these players. We've added one more game. I know money is the bottom line here. I don't know if the NFL would go. You know, they can't do Fridays because of high school football. Saturday is kind of a dead time. But if you do Tuesday, and you're going against college on, on Saturday, Tuesday you could do it, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I feel like at some point it's too much, but I, I don't know if we're there yet. Yeah, Seaton. One of the things, though, that I think the NFL has that's great is that you plan, you can plan your whole Sunday around it. You know that starting at 1, you're yeah. gonna, you can pretty much lock in and watch football straight up until you go to bed, um, which I, I think is part of the... Not charm, that's the wrong word, but I, I kind of like that set schedule piece of it. And maybe the more that you spread it out through the week, there is a little bit of maybe it's watered down a bit. Well, it's like when we were going to have a 17-game schedule. Now, did it take longer than I told you it was going to? Yes. But then I said there's going to be an 18-game added to the schedule as well. I don't know when, but that is happening. And they've talked about this for years. Uh, we finally implemented it this year. Now you're going to have 18 games. Now, what are you going to do with that 18th game? Could you make it a specialized this week will have, you know, two games on a Tuesday or every month you have one Tuesday night? I I don't know, but if they can make more money off of this with primetime football, the NFL is all in on how do we make more money? It's just we need revenue streams. And now, you know, they got the golden goose with gambling. I don't know if they'll do a Tuesday night. Have not heard anything about doing something like that. There could be language in the collective bargaining agreement that prevents that on a permanent basis. But it is entertaining to have football on a Tuesday night. 
Yes, Todd. I think it's something to be said for having something to look forward to. I think it makes it less special. I agree with seeing the water down. Mark Cuban had spoken about that recently with you getting too many games. It's, every game is on. It's not, you know, this, it's less special because you can just see all these games whenever you want. It's, I think it's a little much but it's beyond the revenue and having a certain number of days to heal between games. I like to look forward to it, like a week of Sunday games. Thank you, Todd. Paul? Well, the NBA has games seven nights a week. The NBA has games scattered all over. Yeah, but the, it's not special. Right. And look at their ratings. Yeah, the, the, but, it's not special. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying that as great as the Sunday schedule baseball, is. Baseball's every night. There's nothing special about it. Football was standalone special. And, you know, you'll watch an NBA game. used to be that you would get that Sunday afternoon game, NBA game, and it'd be on CBS. And it was, you know, tune-in factor. Now you get every game in, in you know, whatever market you're in. But it, there's no specialization. They're going to try to do this on Christmas. That's their standalone that we're kind of like the NFL. Don't we have football games on Saturday? So that's going to dilute some of this, you know, NBA coverage that we're going to have. You know, it's just the NFL is king. And these, these games, if there were more standalone games, then maybe there would be a specialization to it. But it feels like, uh, yeah, I can tune in any night to get just about any team that I want to watch. Yeah, McClellan. I think you have to know, too, these games because of COVID have had a lot of weird backups playing, too. So last night was Garrett Gilbert. Yeah, but so, people still watch. I don't know if people, I don't know if the ratings were huge last night, hmm. were they? Well, Probably because it's an NFC East game. But, but I have to combine the two games because they were on at the same time. Yeah. And I'd be curious what kind of number they got, but... Let's put it this way. They probably won the night in TV. Yeah, Paul. The Bears-Vikings Monday night game this week was just not at all juicy, not a good game, not two teams that are national at all, Had was the best Monday night football week 15 ratings in two decades. Mm. It crushed, mm. and that's a dead dog of a game. The Buccaneers have lost another player, Leonard Fournette, done for the regular season. I don't know about the postseason. We already have Chris Godwin. He's injured. They have some injuries uh, on their defense as well. This is what the Bucs had going for them last year, that they were healthy. They were healthier than just about any other team and certainly healthier than the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But this is different this year. Rams with a win last night. They've been sneaky good. I, I find them a dangerous team. I don't know if I'd classify them as a really good team. You know, but I would put Dallas in there as well. A little inconsistent. Arizona's in there as well. A little inconsistent. Green Bay is your front runner right now. And it feels like you're going to get a showdown of what I thought we were going to get. Start the year, Kansas City and Green Bay. That was the first Super Bowl we had, and that was in Los Angeles. And we could be headed back for that. And I think that Aaron Rodgers is right now the leading candidate for the MVP as well. Uh, some basketball. We'll talk to Jeff Van Gundy. Watching the Lakers last night, they lost to the Phoenix Suns. LeBron played well. Now, there's a couple of storylines here because, once again, Russell Westbrook can put up numbers. If I said, hey, you know, Russ had a double-double, and you go, yeah, all right, he's playing okay. If you watch him play, you know, sometimes you'll get somebody who's just out of control when they play basketball, that they can hurt their team and uh, hurt your team, and Russ is that guy. Russ is just out of control sometimes. He's off balance. His passing he leads the league in turnovers. And, and you just, this is a veteran. Now, he's not going to change. He can't change. This is who he is. But when you're watching him play, I always think, what's LeBron thinking while watching Russ play? 
Because Russ can play. Russ could play every minute of every game. But you don't want him to do that because he's not very good holding on to the ball. And that's, you know, that's a problem when you're a guy who's always got the ball. And he leads the league in turnovers by a healthy margin, by the way. LeBron played well. And then you throw the subplot in there that uh, I think Kenny Smith, the TNT guys, were bothered by LeBron prior to the game walking in with a cigar. That was he was he being disrespectful? I'm going, wait, seriously? I, I think they were a little surprised by what they saw with LeBron, but uh, it's, uh, here's a headline. Lakers star LeBron James disrespectful act right before Suns game goes viral. I don't know who he disrespected here. Maybe the game or the Suns. Kenny Smith on TNT said that LeBron was being disrespectful with his cigar-bearing ways. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. I hope you're kidding. I hope you're kidding, Smith, not Kenny Smith. Come on. Kenny Smith played at the same time Michael Jordan did when Jordan, prior to a playoff game, getting out of his Ferrari, would be smoking a cigar right in front of the team bus, the other team. Then it, was he being this way? He might have been. He might have been being disrespectful to them. But, oh, my God. Nobody was covering that back in the day when Mike showed up and, uh, you know, in his Lamborghini or whatever it was. You know, now it's the walk-in. And LeBron, okay, do I have a problem when LeBron brought his his wine on the bench when he was in street clothes? Yes, I do. And I think his tequila. Now that's disrespectful. Marketing. It's great marketing, by the way. Uh, now if I could only get Adele to have a shot on the bench with LeBron's agent, then I could really move some product there. But this is disrespectful because he had a cigar? Guys used to smoke cigarettes in the dugout in baseball. What the hell is Kenny talking about? Damn. He's being dis. Okay, if this is anybody else, is he being disrespectful? No. And LeBron went out and played. You know what's disrespectful? <laughs> the way the Lakers played. That's disrespectful. Maybe they should all be smoking something. <laughs> Maybe they were. But, but LeBron coming in with his cigar, it's like, oh, he is being disrespectful. What? Did he think he was going to have an easy night and he was taking the Suns lightly? <laughs> I don't think so. He looks at his roster and he probably goes, wait, who are you? Okay, just pass me the ball. And he played well. And he's played well this year. When he's played, he's played LeBron-like. Yes, he. Is that Chris Webber who tells us yeah. the story about uh, they're getting off the team bus yeah. and Michael Jordan sitting there on the hood of his Ferrari yeah. smoking a cigar and he goes, which one of you guys is covering me tonight? And they yeah. looked and pointed back to their teammate like, that guy, it's not us. Which one of you MFers <laughs> is guarding me? <laughs> so they're like, uh, that guy. <laughs> but but it, it's okay if he does it. It's just if LeBron does it. Oh my God, it's... He's being disrespectful to the game. He's not smoking on the court. Well, yeah, Paul. It's a cigar. It's not like he came with a thing of Marlboro Reds and was packing them, you know, fired one up in the hallway. He just flaunted all the rules. It's a cigar. It's not a cigarette. 
Like, Dark, what about his health? His health? <laughs> He's in perfect health. Oh, yes, funny. Todd. Is it because cigar means like celebration? He didn't walk in with the Larry O'Brien trophy and champagne or anything like that. What if he had like a big slice of pizza in his hand? Then we would have still, oh, he thinks it's, it's going to be such an easy game. He can eat a slice of pepperoni pizza right before the game. It's going to be an easy win. I have a cigar. Thank you, Todd. I have a cigar every night. I'm not celebrating anything other than it's the end of the day and I got through another day without COVID. Yes, Paul. LeBron should smoke a cigar every day. He won life. <laughs> he, what is he, 39? He's worth a billion and a half? <laughs> oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's tiring. He should double down. It's, he should pass him out. It's tiring. Yes, McLove. What about the secondhand smoke? I think that explains uh, Taylor and Hort- Horton Tucker going one for 13. Oh. Possible secondhand <laughs> smoke situation. And Isaiah Thomas went one for 11. That's two guys who shot two for 25. Yeah. They just got Isaiah Thomas back and brought him up from the G League. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah, LeBron was 13 for 19 on the night. Not too bad. And here they are. They're 16 and 16. The Suns are 25 and 5. And there's a big difference between these two right now. Uh, You know, you start to wonder, bigger picture here. Anthony Davis is who he is. It's not like he's going to have, you know, know, one of those body double movies. And you go, oh, my God, have you seen him? He's a madman out there. He's playing through pain. This is who Anthony Davis is, for good or bad, because he can be unbelievable. But he's going to get nicked up. This time it's a little bit more uh, severe injury. But LeBron can't be LeBron with the Heat, certainly can't be LeBron with the Cavs. You know, the Cavs are probably a better team than the Lakers. And having watched the Cavs two games this year, they're pretty good. But the Lakers are just, you know, it's hard to assess how good they are. Do we have LeBron talking about this uh, after the game seat? And here's here's LeBron after the loss of the Suns. Have you seen enough from from this group when it's been as together as it has been to be like we can get to this level, or is it still more an on paper thing um, where you think that uh, if things go right, we can get to this level? I mean, I feel like that's a question you ask me after every game. You don't know. We have no idea what this team can be of, and when you have you know you know Trav, who was his first, just the second game back. Um, no K none. Um, I missed, you know, a bunch of games. Now AD's out, you know, and a bunch of guys in protocol or head coaches out. So how can we really fully assess what we have? I can't remember the last time, you know, you know, played the same starting lineup. I had the same rotation coming off the bench. It's been a long time. Nobody has had more different starting lineups than the Lakers have. Yes, Eden. Sounds a little hoarse. From the cigar? Probably from the smoke. <laughs> no, that's from the whiskey he was probably drinking. <laughs> mm. Or his tequila when he yeah. was coming in there. Yes, Paul. LeBron was not the problem last night. He was two for five from three and six for six from the free throw line. His teammates shot 17% (laughs) from three and 57% from the free throw line. They're fascinating to watch, but for all the wrong reasons. And, And as much as I've loved watching Russell Westbrook, I don't want him on my team, but I do really enjoy watching him. (laughs) But it's too late now if you're the Lakers. And, and, you know, they've talked about, oh, could you trade him? Oh, you know, the Knicks. The, people always say, oh, wow, the Knicks would be the, yeah. The old Knicks would have done it. I don't know about the new Knicks. But, you know, there's talk, there's just talk, that maybe like Ben Simmons could go to the Lakers and, and Russ could go to the Knicks, but then Philadelphia would have to get something from the Knicks and or the Lakers. And, 
It's just talk. You know, it's speculation. Because we think at some point, Ben Simmons does end up with another team. The question is, when and who? We'll take a break. Phone calls coming up. Uh, a lot of people want to say goodbye to you, McLovin. But, yeah, but are any of them just setting me up? I feel like, you know how our callers are. They lie to Marvin sometimes. Oh, that they say, hey, I just want to say goodbye to McLovin. He's meant so much to me, you know, while rehabbing from a broken uh, foot. You know, I we get we must be big in rehab centers because it feels like somebody stumbles upon this show when they're going through something. If you have knee surgery, any kind of surgery, full ankle restructure, uh, reconstruction we're, today, we're, we're replacement. Yeah. Yeah. We're here for you. Yes, Todd. Has it become an actual prescription by doctors? Like, just like you give them medication <laughs> and three times a week, do this and watch the Dan Patrick show. Two, take two aspirin and watch this, uh, you know, five watch times the healing a week. process. You should. Let's take a break here. We'll be back with Jeff Ann Gundy of the Mothership, Dan Patrick Show. Christmas week, DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NBA, has a gift that will certainly put you in the holiday spirit. The, you have new customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team and win 150 in free bets if you're victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, your Christmas uh, can still be merry. Everybody can play for big cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot. Millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And use the code PATRICK, you're good to go. Bet just $5 on any NBA team. Win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. An official sports betting partner of the NBA, promo code PATRICK, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customer only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restriction supply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Just looking at the numbers for Cooper Cup, he is closing in on Michael Thomas's record that he set in 2019 of 149 catches. And Calvin Johnson's Receiving yards record, that was in 2012 of 1964, is within striking range for Cooper Cup. Also factoring in a 17th game. There'll be games on Christmas night, or at least we think there will be, because the NBA just announced that the Brooklyn Nets at Portland Trailblazers game, scheduled for tomorrow night, has been postponed. The Nets do not have the league-required eight available players to proceed with the game against the Blazers. Jeff Van Gundy scheduled to be on the call on Christmas night with the Lakers and the Nets. How do you prepare for a game like this, Jeff? Uh, you don't worry about it. You just show up and whoever's there is there. And I, I don't know if it'll be the Nets, it'll be the next G League team, or it'll be an, a totally different NBA team. Um, it's really a, a a tough time in the NBA right now for the fan because the fan is the one that ultimately uh, bears the burden of, you know, buying tickets to what they think they're going to see. And then, you know, they're not seeing some of these star players. And then you wonder going into this game, um, how much of a topic is it going to be Kyrie Irving coming back for the Nets and what role he plays the rest of the season? <laughs> 
Well, I think on most broadcasts, initially you talked about Kyrie Irving, and then that talk uh, diminished quite quite often or for quite a period of time. But now that he's coming back um, in some form at some point, uh, I think it's going to ramp up again because I think it is an important topic. I think it goes directly to uh, their ability to win a championship. I think what's even more interesting is not the uh, the regular season schedule that he'll undertake. It's the playoff schedule. So if they're going to get – what if they get into a series that's 2-2? Two, two? He, he's not playing on the road and, uh, you know, he's not playing in game five at home. I mean, it's, it's really – uh, a challenging decision that they made. I know a lot of people have had opinions uh, on on their decision to change their minds, but I think that's man's greatest right, is the right to change their mind. All of them have decided this course of action is prudent. So I think, you know, the team will benefit and the fans will benefit. Would you want him back if you were coaching the Nets? No. Nope. Uh, not Not him either. It's not him. It's not even his decision. It's just uh, I'd want to play with an every night lineup that I could count on, and particularly going into the playoffs. Uh, now, if he is was or any player was still up in the air that I'm going to think about it more, I may do it for the playoffs. That might change my mind uh, certainly, uh, but I just wouldn't want the up and down situation. Now, that being said, Dan, I understand. They're trying to get talent on the floor. You know, these, like the Lakers you saw last night, they don't have enough talent on the floor right now uh, to play at the highest level. Uh, The Nets, if they're down either Harden or Durant, they may not have enough talent on the floor to play against the very best. So I understand uh, why they're doing it. I watched the Lakers last night, at least uh, uh, a little bit of the first half, most of the first half. And Russell Westbrook is not changing. He is who he is. He's fascinating, but, man, can he be detrimental to a team? He just doesn't take care of the ball, Jeff. So what do you, I, don't, I don't know what you do with a guy who is supposed to be one of your stars. You can't change him at this point in his career, so you just sort of live and die with the highs and lows you're going to get with him? Yes, and I think you have to have known that when you traded for Westbrook. Uh, people of his at his age, they're not going to change greatly. So whatever issues you might have with him, whether it's the turnovers or sometimes the the defensive end of the floor um, or the lack of range shooting, whatever it is that you had a problem with uh, as you were thinking about trading for him, you have to understand that you have to take the whole package with somebody and not just be able to pick and choose what you like and try to separate it from what you don't like. And I think um, what you just said, the most astute general managers understand is that you have to accept the whole package and you have to think that that package in the playoffs give you a better chance to win than the players you had. Now, at the core of it, it has nothing to do with whether they're better with Westbrook or without him. It comes down to with their reduced depth that they had to strip their team down to get him, did that benefit them? And I would say so far this year, that lack of depth, um, particularly in the COVID era, 
uh, in the Anthony Davis, uh, LeBron James uh, not being as available as a, you know, particularly for LeBron James. I think that depth problem has shown up to be a significant one. Talking to Jeff Van Gundy, he'll be on the call, the Nets and the Lakers, 8 Eastern on Christmas Day. First meeting of the season and uh, the NBA Finals broadcast team of Mike Breen, Jeff and Mark Jackson, along with sideline reporter Lisa Salters. There was reaction, reaction that went viral last night, as they like to say. Kenny Smith said that uh, LeBron, LeBron James was being disrespectful by smoking a cigar coming in prior to last night's game. And I mentioned that Michael Jordan would smoke a cigar on the loading dock at Chicago Stadium and wait for the team bus to come in. I don't know if he was being disrespectful, but feels like LeBron uh, was being disrespectful by smoking a cigar prior to the game. Your thoughts, Jeff? Well, I didn't know that. Um, I, again, this is a totally different era uh, from since sensitivities are different now. Um, and the whole social media outrage, you know, it's a, it's an era of outrage. And so um, I'm not sure what the standard is for viral. I could care less about the clothes people uh, wear to the game. Uh, do I think it was a great choice? No, nah, I, I wouldn't say it was a great choice, but, do I actually care? No, I don't. Like, the, what I love about the NBA is watching LeBron James play. Like, that's what I love watching uh, about LeBron James. I could really care less how he walks into the arena, even though I think, you know, I don't know if he would say it was a poor choice. I, I'm just saying I don't think it's the wisest choice, but um, it's a big who cares for me. Was Jordan ever – waiting for the Knicks bus on the loading dock when you were there? No, but, I, uh, uh, you know, the legend uh, of Jordan, uh, obviously, these stories, particularly as we all get older, um, they grow. Uh, but I, I would say this, if he was there, we would have had some guys that would be interested in that conversation. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Actually, you know what? I miss the confrontational NBA, like some of the things, you know, the whole Le Bradford Smith story when, uh, you know, <laughs> Bradford Smith lit him up in uh, uh, Chicago stadium. And then they were playing a back to back the next night in Washington. And I guess Le Bradford Smith either said something or perceived as said something. And then George, I mean, I miss those stories. Like um, I, I like the, the rivalries and a little bit of the, yeah, but you Chris Webber Chris Weber tells the story. The Bullets were going to play the Bulls in the playoffs, and Jordan is leaning on his Lamborghini or Ferrari, and the team bus comes in, and he says, which one of you MFers is going to be covering me? And it was poor Calvert Chaney. And he, you know, he put up 50 or something. But Weber said, Mike is there smoking a cigar, waiting for the Bullets, <laughs> Bullets team bus to show up. Nice job by the Bullets, by the way, of pointing to the back, really having, having Calvert Chaney back. I got I to talk to my man, Juwan Howard, about that, too. <laughs> Who wasn't afraid of Jordan on your team? Um, I, I don't think, you know, and maybe afraid is not a fair word, but yeah, like least Listen, intimidated. We all had, 
here's the thing. We all had an incredible respect for him, um, you know, from coaches all the way through the players. And I think uh, sometimes, you know, when you respect somebody so much, you have to ask yourself, am I willing to go as hard at him as I would, you know, someone else? Um, am I willing to put him down on the floor with a hard foul as I would some other random NBA guy? And I think, you know, as an NBA player back then, you had to ask yourself that because he held such sway and was, you know, obviously beloved throughout the basketball world as a player, a competitor, and like things that would be looked upon, down upon today, um, he would, you know, be marveled at for back then. So I think you had to check, but I think we had, I think the one thing the Knicks did a good job of is they, they brought in players that while having an appropriate respect for players, uh, you know, we had some guys with some irrational confidence. Like, <laughs> I'm going to bust his ass tonight, you know? like, and, and that's why, like, I liked our team because, you know, um, you know, they, were, they, didn't, they weren't a back-down group of guys. But, you know, you got to be careful what you ask for, too. So as the coach, do you ever try to, you know, tamp it down a little bit? Like, you know, uh, hey, Anthony Mason, ease up there. You know, you're not, you're not the one who's going to be guarding Mike. Well, no, actually, you, it was just, you know, I think you have to, like, you have to try to combine the humility um, with, you know, appropriate levels of confidence. And if you can't be in the NBA Think about it. Anthony Mason, if he would have had, uh, you know, if he would have gone by what everybody else's evaluation, he might not have ever made the NBA. If he didn't have that healthy or irrational confidence, and he, he truly, when he went on the floor every night, he thought, uh, like, well, I'm the best player on the floor. I don't know who's number two, three, four, five, <laughs> but I'm, I'm the dude. And you know what? I think you have to have some of that irrational confidence to survive all the critiques and criticisms. Um, and it's just so hard to stay there. Uh, you think about it. This guy was like Tennessee state couldn't shoot with range. Um, but he developed into a, a terrific NBA player an all-star because of work and self-belief. It's always great to catch up with you. You, you look like a mob boss there with the, the background, the way, you know, you're, you're seated there like a Sopranos episode. Well, I know where the bodies are buried, oh, Dan. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the mothership teaches you. Bury the bodies. But don't talk about where you bury no, the bodies. No, not, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, have fun on Christmas night. Merry Christmas. Thank you for uh, joining us, Jeff, as always. Merry Christmas. That's Jeff Van Gundy. He'll be uh, part of the broadcast team 8 Eastern on Christmas Day. NBA Finals uh, team, Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, and uh, Lisa Salters. He was sitting in a big chair and had, you know, had the uh, fireplace with the big columns and just looked like he was there to tell somebody they were going to get whacked. Yeah, Paul. If it was just a touch darker, it looked like one of those <laughs> witness protection interviews where they don't show the kind of blur out the face. Yeah. Yeah. You tell him. Yeah, you whacked that. You whacked that. I told him Michael Jordan. <laughs> I, would, I would want my players to be really humble if Mike was coming to town.
any of those players where you just go, just, you know, have, have quiet confidence. I like you go to, they had irrational confidence. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Dakota in Indiana. Hey, Dakota, what's on your mind today? Hey, what's up, Dan? Um, I was I was wondering, possibly, could there be a chance that maybe Westbrook does go to the Knicks, but maybe they send Kimba to him? Mm. Maybe that could fit that style more. I know the contracts are both high, but maybe it's, a, it's probably a long stretch, but it was just a thought. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to have somebody who can take care of the ball, and that's the problem. You, you're trying to take a little bit off of LeBron's plate, his workload during the regular season. At least this is my thought process with the logic of bringing in Russ. Um, he makes me nervous. But if, he, you know, he's, he plays with so much passion and energy that he can do that the entire regular season. I need LeBron and AD to be great in the postseason. And I need Russ to sort of get us through the regular season. It's tough to watch. It really is. Because he can have stretches where you go, wow. And then there's other ones where you go, Wow. Ugh. And you had that last night. He just, he giveth and he taketh away. And I, I think that that's, you just have to brace yourself for that. You don't know when it's going to happen, but you do know it's going to happen eventually. Uh, Tom in Ohio. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind? Uh, good morning, DP. Um, excuse me, I'm just uh, a little emotional here. I, I'm, I think I can speak for... Uh, the whole DP nation, uh, when I say, uh, suck it, McLovin. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. We saw that coming. Yeah. There's a big wind up there. <laughs> yes, Todd. I got tricked. I really thought he was about to say something really emotional and thoughtful and kind, and then he drops that. Our listeners? Yeah, I, th- I thought uh, he sounded like he was choking up a little bit. We're quite an actor there. It sounded like he was tearing up. Uh, let's try Greg in Indiana. Hi, Greg. Hey, Dan. Uh, love the show. First time, long time. Five ten and too much. Okay. Uh, had a couple of questions. Uh, can you see the Colts maybe trying to get Russell Wilson or someone else at QB in the off season? No. Um, and are the pictures of McLovin, are they going straight to the dumpster after he leaves, or will there be a tiny shrine in a closet somewhere? Uh, that's a great, great question, Greg. Thanks for the phone call. Um, I was going to leave McLovin's desk just kind of the way it is for a little while. You know, here in the Dansonian, um, I'm just going to leave McLovin's desk Sort of untouched. You know, this happens. You know, I went to London and I got to see where Churchill was during, you know, the bombing. And and they left it the way it was. And that's sort of what this is. It's an app comparison, I think, <laughs> McLovin. I'm looking at my desk. No, you bombed quite a few yeah, times. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. looking at my desk, so it's mostly your stuff. I have that chicken that you tortured us with for years, that, that toy. You have oh. a Notre Dame helmet, an EA Sports helmet. There's very, very little of me on this desk. I got pictures of you. There's, there's some stuff there. Yeah, Paul. Fritzy's side is even funnier. When Fritzy leaves, we've talked about this before every day, he brings everything he owns to and from work every day. Yeah. When Fritzy leaves at, let's say, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you would never know a human being worked at that desk. Yeah. I do. I like to collect everything. I like to have everything next to me. I like to, I, you know, I'm an interior decorator, and I like to display. 
That's all I do. You know, just put little knickknacks. If you watch, then you can see in front of me, I've got a lot of different things here. And same with McLovin and, uh, and Fritzy. Yes, Todd. McLovin somehow has like a thing of sticky notes, like in a Broncos case. Yeah, I don't know what that is. And somehow it ended up on his side of the uh, COVID glass over there. I don't know if he stole it or something. Yes, McLovin. When you set up this man cave, you got so detail-oriented. Yes, I did. Yes, it I was did. interesting. Yes. It worked. Yes, it did. But elevating the back row so you guys are up a little bit higher and, and just physically elevating you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no other no other elevation going on there. Just I needed to raise you up so I can see Fritzy over Paulie's head and I have a straight shot for you, McLovin. Do you re- remember my first desk? Yeah. It was a spool, wasn't it? <laughs> it was like three tires and like oh, some old... Right. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Well, we didn't know if you were there for the long haul, so I didn't want to invest in a desk. Yes, Todd. He was a good sport with that. I remember that. He could barely put half of the laptop on that thing. It was hanging over the side. He couldn't reach the plug underneath. It was a disaster. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. Let's take a break. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, more phone calls coming up. Once again, the Nets don't have the league-required eight available players to proceed with their game against the Blazers Thursday night. And then you have the Nets-Lakers Christmas night in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. Uh, G League, you got any guys can come up and help us? Yeah, we're good. Whoever. Doesn't matter. All right, some phone calls. Uh, Andrew in Washington. Hi, Andrew. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dan and Danettes. The uh, celebration starts tomorrow at noon Eastern, so wow. no need to talk about anything. Wow. Okay? All right. But, um, hey, I do have a uh, stat of the day if I can try one more time. Okay. Uh, here we go. LeBron James was born December 30th, 1984, and turned pro on June 26, 2003, when he was 6,752 days old. As of today, LeBron James has spent more than half his life as a pro basketball player at 6,754 days as a pro. And that's your stat of the day. All righty. I like that. I like that. Uh, Tom is calling. Where's Tom calling from? America. Tom is calling from America. Hey, Tom. Good morning, Dan. This is Tom in Nebraska, actually. Hi, Tom. So, That's hey, America. That's Hi. America. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes. We'll see. Anyway, well, first of all, hi, I'm back, bro. McLevin, we're going to miss you, pal. Uh, I have an athleticism observation for you and then a follow-up question. Okay. So in the front row, you have Seton and Polly with their dad bod energies. 
In one corner, you have Todd Fritz with his arms only, curled, and his open mouth breathing while watching women's sports. Seriously, Fritzy, I can hear you wheezing from 1,300 miles away while watching the national championship volleyball game Saturday night. Wow. In the other corner, however, you have Andrew Perloff, a six foot four silver fox who can shoot. So, Dan, my question for you is this. With McLevin leaving tomorrow, do you think you're losing your most athletic Danette? Not your most valuable, your most athletic. The world wants to know. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Tom. Tom calling from America. Um... I'm trying to, like, I could say McLovin's the most athletic. That doesn't make make him athletic, you know, by comparison here. Yes, yes, McLovin. There was one moment that changes this entire narrative. Was that the weightlifting? No, when Mario missed the shot yeah. and Seton's team got knocked out of the AUAA finals. Yeah. Because Seton's team, there was a very small point spread on my AUAA team versus his AUAA team. So if Seton had won the AUAA tournament, we might be talking a completely different story. No, you're a better basketball player. You're stronger. Um, you're faster? No. You're not? I think you are. Didn't you win the race? Yeah, like eight years ago. Did you win the race uh, when we did the mascots? Yes. Okay. You guys also did a 100-meter dash, and you lost to Paulie. <laughs> Wait, I did? You got DQ'd. False start. Oh, That's, that's yeah. why I win anything. Paulie had so- a team of lawyers who had to win that race. <laughs> I, I'm not going to win it otherwise. Um, yeah, McLevin is our most athletic Dan Ed. Yes. I he- don't even really think it's a question. Yeah. yeah. Of course he is. No, Seaton is the most naturally gifted athlete of the four of us, I think. Well, I, he I think he's like, not even remotely athletic. Did you play, like, big varsity soccer and baseball? No, I, I, I played sports growing up, yeah. I mean, high school sports. Like when my, you say naturally gifted, that's eh, a little bit of a stretch. Well, he, implying... He, he's he's naturally athletic, but I yeah. don't know if they're, they're gifts. gifts, right. <laughs> Gifs. Maybe that's what they are. You're naturally gifted. See, if only I had applied myself. <laughs> was Every parent-teacher conference ever oh. was, well, you know, if only he applied himself. That goes the same thing with fitness. If only I applied myself, I could probably be in pretty good shape. Yeah, yeah, Paulie. I could comfortably say I'm the least athletic person here. Fritzy is not what you'd say is in great shape. No, no, no. But I think You're Fritzy, more athletic than Fritzy well, is. It's possible, but I'm saying like when we, if, let's say Fritzy and I were in the same exact shape, I think he would be better athletically at events than me. I'm competitive. I have no athletic ability in any sport. No, you make up for your lack of athleticism with your competitiveness. That's the only way to do it. Yes. Yeah. And and Todd doesn't have either. Well, I was a two-time Little League All-Star age 11 and 12, but that is, you know, 40 years ago. So 40 years ago. I was uh, quite the player. I was left field, first base pitcher. Yeah. Hit for power, hit for getting on base. Yeah, you also complained that the kids were making fun of you. I did. When I was eight years old, I called timeout and I complained to the coach and the manager told me to tell the home plate umpire what my problem was. I go, can you tell him to stop making so much noise? I'm trying to concentrate. <laughs> Son, get back out on the mountain pitch. Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. Yes, McLevin. Polly's a good, like, at shooting sports and race car driving. Are those sports like archery and riflery and... I don't want to go down this road because no matter what I say, I'm going to get deluged with phone calls. Paulie is good at unique sports. How's that? Yes, Paul. If I can be good at it, it can't be that taxing of a sport. Archery, you basically are trying to stand as motionless as you can. Mission accomplished. I could do that. Yeah. Driving a car, you're seated for hours at a time. Good at aiming sports. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> 
one more hour and then one more day. And that's it. Four hours. Total of four hours. And then McLovin is gone. Coming up next hour, Paulie wants to know why we call it dropping dimes. One more item, hour two comes to an end. Puerto Rico, the new go-to destination for quality investment opportunities, but finding the right projects to invest in can be a pretty tough task. Impeller takes the guesswork out of the equation. Impeller is a new online tool, and it's spearheaded by Invest Puerto Rico that facilitates connections between investors and on-island projects looking for capital. Discover innovative projects across all sectors, commercial real estate, tech, clean energy, healthcare. Impeller's easy-to-use features allow you to get right to the deal. Plus, you can find out about performance, leadership, company background, financials, everything you need to make a more informed decision. Invest Puerto Rico's impellers, the right move, the smart move for making the most of your investment. Visit investpr.org forward slash impeller. Set up your account today. Innovative deals right for the taking. Impeller, your hub for investment opportunities in Puerto Rico, powered by Invest Puerto Rico.